0: Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Eric. I'm the Next Gen Pastor here at Faithbrook. And I'm so glad uh, that you came and joined us in worship today, whether you are here in person or you're joining us online. We're just so thrilled that you can be here. If you are newer or this is your first time, um, in the chairs in front of you, there's this blue connection card. We'd love the uh, the opportunity to connect with you, to get to know you a little bit better. And this gives a chance for one of our staff members to reach out to to you, give you any information or answer any questions that you would have. And so you can do that. Uh, Fill out this card and drop it in the offering boxes as you're leaving church today or if you're joining us online, you can fill out one of these uh, online as well. Well, the past month, We've been collecting Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, and one of our values, one of the things that we really embrace here at Brook, is reaching the next generation for Jesus Christ, whether that is those who are locally here or those who are overseas. And what the really cool thing that we were to do with Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes is that we were able to combine and blend both of those. Some of you brought in completed shoeboxes already, and some of you brought in different supplies that we were to fill up the shoe boxes. And so this past week, the youth and level up students uh, were, took those supplies that came in and were packing these shoe boxes, filling them out, and um, and you can see some of the pictures of some of the stuff that had come in. And they wrote notes for all the kids uh, overseas who would be receiving one of these shoeboxes as well. Um, and then we, we prayed for them and blessed them and prayed that these could reach there. And what was really, as we said, cool with this is that it combines both helping and leading our local youth students and having a global outreach impact. Um, Because all these students are right here joining with us in trying to reach kids all around the world, some of whom would be the same age for Jesus Christ. And so thank you all to have brought it in thank you brought completed boxes or things for us to pack and thanks to the level up and youth students who are engaged and involved with this now you could see all of the shoe boxes that we had up here we last year we packed 55 shoe boxes Uh, this year we were to we set a goal. We wanted to pack 75 shoe boxes. We wanted to increase it. And uh, admittedly, I was a little embarrassed. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but this morning, because we had 74 shoeboxes, but someone just came and dropped the 75th shoebox off. So we have hit our goal for the year. It's not even packed yet, so I don't know if it counts, but... Uh, So just thank you all for that, and thank you for partnering with the Level Up and Youth Students uh, in having a global impact. Well, at this point, we're going to uh, welcome Pastor Jim here up the stage to continue our series on Build a Boat.
1: Well, yesterday, America celebrated our veterans, and this morning, I wonder if we have any veterans in the house. If so, would you uh, give us the honor for you standing to honor you? Any veterans here? Please stand. Yes, let's appreciate these. Amen. Thank you for your service. It's great because of um, brave people served, that we can have freedom to worship. Speaking of veterans, one of the most famous veterans in our country's his- history was a man named Louis Zapparini. Louis Zapparini was an aspiring Olympic runner until his country called on him to serve in World War II. Louis Zapparini found himself as a bombeteer on a B-24 hovering over the Pacific uh, waters on a search and rescue mission. Uh, Eventually, his plane would have some mechanical difficulties and was forced to crash into the ocean. Only two people survived that crash. It was Louis and another crewmate. They luckily found a a little uh, rubber raft that, that they both got themselves in on, with their uh, injuries, and they tried to survive. <clears throat> day after day, they had to battle the terrific uh, heat uh, from the sun, their agonizing thirst, uh, fighting malnutrition, fighting off sharks, uh, the mental anguish. Uh, eventually, his crewmate was succumbed to the elements and perish. there. Louis Zapparini was left alone on a little boat drifting Wondering if he'd ever have any hope, ever be rescued, what would ever happen to him? Well, speaking of drifting around on the boat, I want to welcome you back to our series, Build a Boat. Uh, If this is your first time here, second time here, as you know that this month we've been looking at the stories of Noah. Maybe you're watching this online and uh, wondering, well, there's a lot to learn from this story. One of the most epic stories in the Old Testament of Noah building a boat. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, we found out that, that God was not happy with the human race and said, "You know, I want to start this thing over. And he brought some judgment. And he looked for a man uh, that would be willing to be righteous and to say, would you be willing to build a boat? I need someone to, to continue the human race. And I'm picking you. And I need you to build a boat. I want you to bring the animals. I want you to bring your family. Uh, because there's a storm coming, and you need to be ready. And we've been learning that this statement of building a boat, boat really is a metaphor for building a life, a life. And so it would be a a scary operation for um, Noah. And he started building this boat, took him hundreds of years. People thought he was crazy. But we learned last week, Pastor Peggy did a great job. He says, you never know what God will do on the other side of your obedience. You never know what God will do on the other side of your obedience. And Noah was asked to be obedient. Noah was asked to see the rain clouds forming. And we see in chapter 7 of Genesis, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the seventh day of the second month, now this Noah is 600 years old, on the day of, the, of all the springs in the great deep, birth forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were open. And the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, it was torrential downpour, it was a flash flood, things were getting scary. In fact, it continues on for 40 days. The floods kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, it lifted the ark high above the earth. And the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Now, if my math is right, that's like five months of constant raining. Can you imagine just the conditions that that family and the earth was undergoing? I mean, clouds and rains constant just pouring on the roof of that ark. And pretty soon, the earth started disappearing. Pretty soon, the references and, and the friends and the, and the environment they were used to started disappearing. And there was total destruction there. Noah and his family found themselves drifting around wondering what the next steps were. There was no GPS, there was no motor or, or rudder, there was no markers, there was no timeline. It was just them all alone for five months, constant rain. Do you think that ever wore on their psyche? Do you ever think they started doubting God a little bit and say, now God, what, what's the plan here? Because uh, you know the earth got flooded and we're just still kind of drifting and it just keeps raining and raining and this is getting old. Pretty soon, I have a feeling that they got a little lonely. They got a little discouraged. Have you ever been in that situation where there are some afflictions, trials that's come in your life that you're wondering, hey, God, God, do you see stills out here? It just seems to keep raining and raining, and there seems to be no purpose, and I don't understand. You've been praying and asking God to show up and maybe deliver and stop the rain and and give you some relief and, and maybe do a miracle. Sometimes it shows up in our jobs or careers. It just seems like the conditions in our job is hard and and there's no relief coming. Maybe there's situations in your family or that spouse or that family member you've been praying for and just long-suffering and it seems that they're not paying attention and God's asking you to just give grace. Sometimes it shows up in our bodies. There's a disease. There's a chronic condition that we prayed and it seems the pain's not going away, and we have to live with this, and we're floating around wondering, God, do you care about us? Do you see us just uh, uh, suffering out here? I've known of young couples, for instance, that saved their money, and they tried to buy a house, but lately in the last couple of years, the interest rates are so high, and they're wondering, hey, hey, God, we, we prayed. We, we've asked to get into a home, but it seems like we're, we can't afford that, and now we're just stuck floating around. Even some couples have suffered with getting pregnant, or there's been complications, and there's a, there's a long pilgrimage, there's, there's a drift in us, and they wonder, God, when will we be healed? When will we be able to have these dreams? And before you know it, we can get discouraged. I've discovered that one of the greatest barriers for Christians and non-Christians is discouragement. And when we ask God to, to help us out, it seems like God is silent. It seems like the rain just keeps coming. It just seems like day after day, there's no change and, and God seems to be silent and it's easy to give up. It's easy to give up on God. So this morning, the lesson and the question we're going to ask today is, what do you do when you're lost at sea? When do you do when, when it seems like the rains just keep coming? There seems to me no land, no deliverance, and God is asking you to trust the process. What do you do with your discouragement? How do you continue in the process and trusting God when it seems to be a long journey and God's asking you to travel on? Well, if he's asking you to build a boat. There's three things that I want to offer you today to take on your boat, take on your life to trust God's process. The first component I would ask you to uh, encourage you to take is to grab some faith grab some faith. A lot of times we get into life situations that we didn't ask for. We didn't plan for. We don't even like. And next thing you know, we're, we're wondering where God is. I I think after months and months, Noah's like, okay, I, I get it. You destroyed the earth, but we're still drifting out here. The, these animals are getting stinky, right? And we're all getting grumpy here. And, and I don't understand. And sometimes when we don't understand, we have to grab some faith. The Bible tells us faith it's something that we have confidence, something that we are assured of that we don't see. This is so hard for us to believe in something we don't see. It's not logical sometimes. It doesn't make sense. It's not tangible. And it takes faith. The Apostle Paul would write to his congregants. He says, we don't live by sight. We live by faith. Now, the truth of the matter is, we, most of the time we live by sight. We live paycheck, right? And, and what's going to happen tomorrow? And we got timelines and we count on that. And to live in just faith in God, something we don't see, is tough. And Noah was going to be asked to grab some faith because on this process, this journey, he would have to trust God. Now, if we look in the Bible, we'll see that a lot of other people have had to grab some faith on their long journey. You think of Moses, and he was pilgriming in the wilderness for 40 years, the nation of Israel, wandering around. I'm sure there was a lot of questions. And they would have to trust God to cling on some faith to journey through. You think of Job, afflictions, uh, tribulations, harm, grief came to his life. But he would not give up. He would cling to his faith in God. You think of Joseph, who was falsely accused. He gets thrown in prison. He did everything right, and yet he's the bad guy. He's the one that's getting in jail, and he thought we could get out, and he couldn't get out. It was years and years. He's down in this dungeon. Did God care? We look at the New Testament. John on the island of Patmos, all by himself, lonely, um, in solitude. Jesus, 40 days without food, undergoing um, trials and temptations. Long suffering hanging in there, it would need faith. Oswald Chambers said something about faith. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Faith never knows. We're not exactly sure how this disease is going to turn out. Are we going to survive cancer? Are we going to decide this situation in our family? But we love the one who is leading us, and we can have faith in God's nature. And sometimes we have to dig and claw to find out God's nature, well, what he's done, and what have other people experienced, and what does the word of God say? Sometimes we doubt God, but when we learn about his nature, that it is true, he does care. Reminds me, when I was a young man, my, my, um, my dad asked me, Jimmy, you see those clouds up there? Do you still believe the sun is shining I, I, I had to think about that. for I didn't know my science that well. And, and if I think about it, I, I guess the sun is still shining. Yes, that's what he wanted me to know. And even though we can't see the sun, we don't feel the sun, the sun is above those clouds and it's not going away. And just because it's night doesn't mean the sun is asleep. The sun is still burning bright. And that is like God. Sometimes we don't hear him. Sometimes we don't see him. Sometimes we don't feel him. But that doesn't mean he's not around and his nature is still prevailing around us. But that concept would have to, that would take some faith. We're going to have to trust God and trust his process. And Noah would have to grab that faith to endure. It continued on in Genesis 8. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receding. Now the springs are deep, and the floodgates of the heavens have been closed, and the rain has stopped falling from the sky. That's good news. The water receded steadily from the earth, and at the end of 150 days, the water has come down. Oh, well, if my math is correct, that's another five months. It was five months of constant rain and flood. Now at least the rain stopped. But it's gonna take another five months for things to exasperate, to, to drain down. Now, in that time, I'm sure they got a little impatient, right? I think mentally they were probably waning. Hey, I used to walk in on dry ground, and all we got is this floating, rocking boat, right? And the animals, have you checked out the wild animals? The pigs just continue to uh, multiply, and there's a lot of stink, and they're probably asking granddaddy uh, Noah, hey, when is this going to stop here? Where, where is God? It's tough. Well, God was always moving. It would take faith. The scriptures tell us on the seventh day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountain of Ararat. All of a sudden, it struck the earth, Mount Ararat, right? I can imagine they're doing their chores, and they're going about their business, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's a collision, right? The whole giant arc just, karoom, right? And I'm sure things started falling off, the, the animals started screaming, and, and they, they didn't know what happened, right? What was that? And finally, they started thinking about it, and they're like, did, did we just stop on land? Did we just hit something, right? I, I think we did hit something. Uh, that, that means uh, the water's receding, and we're going to find land here, and, and maybe there was some rejoicing. Maybe there was some joy. Yes, yes. However, that didn't mean they could get off their boat. That doesn't mean that they had a, a lot of things to see and, and be hopeful for. It would be weeks and weeks and weeks as they had to continue to trust God's purpose, trust the process. The scriptures tell us the waters continue to recede until the 10th month. Now now they've been on this stinky boat with this crammed, uh, all these animals for 10 months. And the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains begin to visible. Oh, well, maybe somebody owns a boat and say, hey, what's that out there? Do do you see that? Did you think that's what what I think it is, right? Is that a mountaintop? Wow. Way out there. Okay, we're getting places. Right, the, uh, the process is taking a long time. By that time, I'm sure they're getting antsy. Okay, I think I see a mountaintop out there. Let's get this thing going. I'm ready to get off this boat. <clears throat> these these animals are driving me crazy. Right, and God would ask them to have some faith and some patience. Patience is not easy for us. Are you a patient person? especially in America, right? It's not popular. Uh, we, we live on instant, amen, right? We like things fast, right? We, we got microwaves. We got instant food, and we like drive-thrus. We like Amazon. We like Grubhub, man. Let's get this going on. A lot of times, that's how we treat God. God, I, I, I see the end, but I needed to get there. Let's go. He's asking us to be patient. It's kind of like the man said, Dear God, please help me have some patience but make it quick. All right, God, let's go. Sometimes God is asking us to trust the process, to hold on to faith, even though we don't know the timeline, even though we don't know the outcome. And the second thing that I want to encourage you to take on your boat is old-fashioned, what I call grit. Grit is a slang word for resilience. And resilience is the ability to hang in there. Resilience is the ability to bounce back the resilience is, is ability to uh, absorb so many disappointments, to carry on, to grit it out if you, if you need to. And I would submit to you that resilience is one of the greatest currency of today, the ability not to give up, but to carry on. We know in the last couple of years, this pandemic and the tensions in our land, things got really wonky, Right? And a lot of times the mental anguish and the anxiety and the, the discouragement there was resignations there was a lot of change there was a lot of wonderment what's going on and and people have been suffering and and um, the counseling offices are full of just emotional um, trials that people are dealing with you never know um, even in the church they said that one third of the ministers in the last five years have have uh, resigned because there's just too many choices. There's just too many uh, emotions that are happening and nothing's happening. So they just like dropping out. I, I, I'm, we're done. Can you imagine Noah? He wanted to probably quit sometimes saying, say, hey, I didn't sign up for the 10-month thing, right? Uh, this is getting long and enduring. The obnoxious monkeys, they just keep yakking away and driving me crazy. And the hyenas, right? And, and that crazy parrot, every time I walk by the parrot, he's got to say something snarky to me. And, and this is getting old. And Noah would have to grab some grits. You know, grits uh, has a lot to do with the word perseverance and endurance, <clears throat> A lot of times we we kind of pick out scriptures in the Bible of miraculous miracles that have instant relief, right? God heals, God raises the dead or whatever. It's all over with. And that's kind of what we look for. But many times in the Bible, it talks about endurance and perseverance. In fact, the first century Christians, they would have to endure persecution, a lot of oppression. And if you look in the New Testament, you'll see the, the leaders speaking into the people about grit. They use words like endurance. And character, for example, of Romans 5, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman Christians who were discouraged and undergoing oppression. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. The hope is in Jesus Christ who suffered on the cross and to save us from our sins. But meanwhile, we have to endure. Meanwhile, we have to build strength and grits and character. This is one of the, the characters I tried to teach our my children and my sons uh, to have some grit because life is hard and it might be even getting harder. And if you just have a, a softness about you and just give up, you won't succeed in life. You got to have some grit. The other day, uh, my son was coming home, picked him up from school, and he started complaining about this bad teacher. He's got a bad teacher, and it's, he's not good, and the, the class is hard, and he just wanted to give up. And I'm thinking to myself, son, I'm sorry that you got a tough teacher. But you have no idea what's coming, right? It's just going to get harder. And I'm thinking to myself, if this this kid wants inspired to go to college, guess what? There's going to be some hard professors, right? So I gave him my little lecture, right? And part of my little lecture, you know, sometimes I say, sometimes we have to adapt to overcome. you got to adapt and overcome. You can't just give up. And I want you to have grit in your life because you're going to have disappointments. You're going to have setbacks. And if you're just like, hey, this is too hard, I give up. So sometimes you got to grab a hold and get some grit, and you have to adapt and try to overcome. Now, this is really easy to say. It's hard to follow through with. There's been times in my life, right, that God's called me to hang in there and not to give up. One of the scriptures that I've clung to that's that's part of my my, uh, formula of just uh, hanging in there is out of 1 Peter 5, 6. Um, Peter had a lot of um, Christians who were being persecuted and doubting and struggling. And so he would write this to them and write this to us. <clears throat> it's kind of a roadmap to, for, to, res- to have some resilience and not to give up. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety or cares on him because he cares for you. Now this, there's a lot in this scripture. I would encourage you to write this down, highlight this, memorize this, because if God is calling you, you have some grit. Maybe this is what we need to remember. Uh, let's take the last part because he cares for you. I, I would submit to you a lot of times when we're undergoing and we're just drifting around, uh, we're we're not sure if God does care for us, and that's why we have to go to the gospel. The gospel is the truth. Our emotions are not the truth. Our feelings are not the truth. It's the gospel that says he cares for you. And when you start digging into the Bible and the word of God, you'll see that he is the good shepherd. He does know his sheep, that he's the savior who suffered for us and died. That's a real thing. He's the Abba father. You know, and fathers love their kids, but fathers can't just um, uh, um, save their kids from every problem. But a father is there during the problem don't give up. I'm here. I will help you. He's the Emmanuel that doesn't leave us. He's the intercessor. He sends the advocate. He's on our side. And we have to remember that He cares and loves for us. And thus we can cast all what's bothering us. But God, you, you know what's happening at the office. God, you know what's happening in the bodies and our relationship. And it's long and discouraging and People disappointed me, God. I cast all that to you because you care for me. This is great therapy. This is a roadmap to to continue to be resilient and and have a little bit of a life to cast. I I was encouraged a couple years ago. I was listening to. Uh, um, Christian leader that I really admire, and she was on this podcast getting interviewed, and they asked her, hey, you know, what are your priorities in your leadership, and your, your ministry, life, whatever? And she lists off four or five of these priorities, and I'm leaning into this, right? And one of them, she says, quote, to manage my insecurities, to manage my insecurities. I'm like, hello? Did she say that? I had no idea she had insecurities. She, she can't have insecurities. She's like rock solid, right? She's like confident and, and just awesome for God, right? She said, like, yeah, sometimes. There's, there's setbacks in my family life or my ministries, and things get hard and disappointing. And so, first, I know I get anxious. I'm really getting discouraged. So, I have to manage those insecurities. And say, yes, this is what Peter's talking about, the cast... Throw our anxieties, our problems to God because he does care. Remind ourselves, what are the things in our life that we remind that God does care for us? What are those rhythms and practices? Are we taking time to get in his word and say, oh, that, that's right. Uh, God does, is true. And he does, is faithful. and He will see us through. Sometimes it's showing up at church, right, to hear these songs that, that you're the same God and you're gonna see us through. I can count on that. This Louis Zapparini, who uh, was floating around in this, this boat, small raft, for days, 47 days, he's battling the sun. He's about perishing. Finally, he comes on a specific island, and at least there's some land. He can get out of this boat, and he was so hopeful, and maybe he can get rescued, and there's some fresh water, and he gets on that island to find out it was occupied by the enemy. The enemies captured him and took him to the homeland and put him in a POW camp. And for over a year, he was brutalized and beaten and captured along with his other uh, prisoners of war. But they had to find ways to replenish themselves. They had to find ways to have some grit and not to give up and they found one strategy was to collect once a day and to start sharing about some recipes of all things that they could share with each other. Zapparini was from an Italian family, and he learned a little bit of his mother's cooking, and so he would share some of these fabulous Italian dinners, and they would go through the recipes, and it would burn some time and give him some relief of the, of the pain to continue to endure. Peter was saying, cast all your cares because God cares. Don't ever forget that he cares for you. But he also said, we're going to humble yourself. And I would declare that to humble ourselves is probably the hardest part of this because humbling ourselves means that we release the control. And we like to be in control, especially when things get tough. We, we want to tell God what to do. Here's our timeline. Here's our plan. And God, a lot of times it's like, you know what, I'm going to let you keep drifting until you come to a place of surrender. That you're willing to be broken and let me control your life. Let me control the the outcomes of it. Can you trust me to humble ourselves? To understand that under his mighty hand, God's got this. And this is hard. And there's been times in my life where I've had to be broken. I've had to, to hang in there and just say, God, it's not up to me. I'm all yours. I I wish this, right? I I wish the boat journey would be over, okay? But I have to endure, and then here's the promise. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, he's got it, that he may lift you up in due time. It's coming, but you notice it's his time, not our timing. It's his timing. Can we trust God with his timing? Are we willing to be open-handed? Are we willing to be uh, humble enough to say, God, I'm all yours. I'll, I'll endure, suffer if I have to to trust the process, but in due time, you're going to rescue. You're going to bring some relief. Well, the story continues. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark. He he got an idea. He says, maybe if I send out a raven, a bird, I can maybe find some land. So it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. The raven was out there, but it wouldn't land. If it landed someplace, it wouldn't come back, and that meant that there was some dry land someplace. But there's a the raven. That didn't work. But God was teaching them something, and Noah was teaching us something. And this is the third element that you need to grab <clears throat> and to grab some sight. In other words, some eyeballs. To be looking for God in the midst of the long journey, in the midst of the process. To build a boat. And open the eyes to see if God is working in your life. The scriptures tell us the raven didn't work. So he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. So he's looking. What are any signs? Maybe this dove will land someplace and I can see that there's going to be some relief. There's going to be some deliverance here. But the dove could not find nowhere to perch. Well, that's a bummer, right? Like strike two, the the dove comes back. Here he is, having to trust the process. Here he is, having to grab some faith, grab some grit. But he's got his eyes open. He's sending out these birds to see if there's there's any land. Verse 10 says, he waited seven more days until he sent out the dove from the ark. And when the dove returned with him in the evening, there in his beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf just a small little green branch. That meant something was growing. That meant there was some dry land. And I love these three words. Then Noah knew, Noah in his heart knew that the water had receded from the earth, that there was going to be some hope. There was going to be some victory. There was going to be some outcome, but it came from a very small sign. If he didn't have his eyes open to notice that little olive branch, he would have missed it. Could it be that in the midst of our long journey, our, our tribulations, God sends messages, God sends signs us to keep us encouraged, to not to give up? One of my favorite uh, stories is in the New Testament about John the Baptist. It came out of the book called When Your Rope Breaks by Stephen Brown. And he noted that John the Baptist also struggled with doubt and disappointment to the point that he questioned if Jesus was the real Messiah. He tells in the New Testament that, that um, John the Baptist was uh, brought in uh, to, to prison by Herod's daughter, who didn't like him and wanted to cut off his head. And so John the Baptist minding his business. All of a sudden, he finds him in jail and says, you're going to die. Your head's going to be cut off. And, and you could imagine the anxiety. Hello, right? He's all by himself. He's just with Jesus, and he's struggling with his, his, his journey here. And where's Jesus. Uh, am I going to die? Why is it so dark? I'm all alone. So his, his friends, his disciples, show, show up to him. They allowed to visit him in, in the dungeons. And uh, he, he says, hey, guys, I need your help. I'm really struggling here. I, I need a favor. I want you to go to, to Jesus. And I need you to ask him one question. Just one question. Bring back the answer to me, please. I want you to ask Jesus if he's truly the Messiah. If he's truly the Messiah. I wonder if his friends were kind of shocked at this question. Hey, J- John, you're asking if he's truly the Messiah? I, I- I've th- I've thought you were all that, right? Uh, it wasn't you the one that Jesus said to all the people there, said, John the Baptist, there's no greater person under heaven than John the Baptist. I mean, you talk about godly. You talk about faithful. He was the revelator. He's the one that baptized Jesus. J- were you not there, John, when you baptized your cousin Jesus. You were there when, when the clouds opened up and the voice of God came down and said, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. And now you're asking if he's the Messiah. Are you kidding me? You were there, John, when the dove came. Yes, he was there. But, I man, when the floods are coming and God doesn't seem to show up and your head's on the line, you have some doubts. And so he sends his friends to Jesus, and they show up to the Jesus, and they're kind of hanging out with Jesus for the day. Right? And they finally get an audience with Jesus and says, hello, or your cousin John the Baptist's disciples, he sent us, you know he's in prison. Jesus said, I know he's in prison. He's got a question for you. His question is, he wanted us to know if you're truly the Messiah. Now, we notice his response. Jesus, he didn't take offense to of that. Jesus didn't. He didn't jump down their throat and say, "How you have little faith. Are you kidding me? Right? This is what he said to him. You go tell John what you have seen. You go tell John what you have seen, that John has some sights. Do you have eyeballs? Do you see what's going on? You tell him this, that the blind has seen, received sight. The lame has walked. The leper has been cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead have been raised. You go tell him these things, what you have seen. My friends, when we're lost at sea and we're discouraged and the suffering seems to be long. And there seems to be no signs. And the water doesn't seem to be shrinking back. God's going to send little olive branches, little things to remind us that he has this in his hands. He has this in his heart. But you have to grab on some sight. You have to be looking for. In fact, if you're going through a long journey, if you've just been floating around for months and you're wondering, God, why don't you come through? I can't hear you. Have you been looking for some signs, a lot of times they're small. It could be a song that comes on the radio and those words. It could have been a song this morning or maybe this message this morning. God knew you needed to hear this. Maybe you're at home and just kind of discouraged, don't want to come to church, wonder if God cares about you. Could this be the sign, the olive branch to you this morning? Maybe it's nature itself. When we look at fall and winter, But God never disappoints us. Summer is always going to come. Maybe it's a message. Maybe it's a quote. Maybe it's a friend. A little branch. Don't give up on the process. Trust the process. Noah would have to do this. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return. Aha. It is. There is land. There is hope. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, The waters had dried up from the earth. Noah removed the covering from the ark and saw the surface on the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the seventh month, the earth was completely dry. They open up, they look over, and they're like, come here, boys and girls, look, it's drying up, it's drying up, it's going to be a new day. Now, their journey, his journey, has been over a year I mean, it's been a long year. You think you've had a bad year. This guy's been drifting around with those stinky, obnoxious animals, right? Everybody's tired of the boat. They want some land. And finally it's coming. God would, in due time, would lift him up. And he said to Noah, "Come out of the ark." You and your wife and your sons and their wives bring out every kind of living creature with you, including those obnoxious parrot, right? The birds, the animals, and all the creatures on the move around the ground so they can multiply in the earth and be fruitful and increase in numbers on. In other words, Noah, we're going to get this party restarted. Bring out the animals. Bring out your family. What a moment. What a world-changing event that took place. So what can we learn from this? What can we take home today? My friends, if you're on a long process that God is asking you to trust him, remember, don't give up on the process. Don't give up on the process. God is faithful. He does have a plan. And many times it's going to take some faith what we don't see. We don't understand. We got to hang and cling on to faith. And many times we have to get some grit to resolve to not to give up. And many times that means we got to cast all our cares and this is hard, God. And what can we do to replenish our lives and our minds and our souls in the midst of the suffering and to be completely broken before God and say, God, not my will, your will. And to keep our eyes open. That God is sending some signs to remind us. Because see, you never know what God will do on the other side of obedience. Louis Zapparini understood this. After almost two months drifting in this raft, he was put into this POW camp and his journey in that agonizing camp. And by the way, there was a movie on this called Unbroken. Um, he survived. And after a year, things started changing. The um, POWs started realizing that the guards were not as harsh one day. They thought that was funny. The next day, they noticed that there was a lot of guards missing. They thought that was funny. And then the day came where they woke up and they realized there's no guards in the camp. What is going on? A couple of hours later, they heard it. A drone. It's the motors of an American aircraft. A bomber coming their way. They looked up in the beautiful sight of the military bomber with the stripes and the stars. And USA flying over. And that that pilot tipped around, wiggled his wings to say, I see you. And out of a back were flyers that filtered down to that camp that said, the war is over. You will soon be going home. The war is over. You have suffered long enough. There is hope. We have won and you will be going home. Louis Zapparini, life was starting to change. He was unbroken. He did not give up. And if you read the rest of his story, God did some amazing things with his life because you never know when God will do on the other side of obedience if we don't give up the process. Let's stand and close in prayer. God, you are a good God. Sometimes we don't understand why it just keeps raining. We don't understand why the afflictions and the suffering... But I pray for people today, wherever they're at, um, not to give up on the process. Specifically thinking of this young lady, uh, Courage, that um, was um, paralyzed in an accident several months ago. God, just been a long journey. She has to have a lot of doubts and wonderment. God, but you're going to use her and are using her if she trusts the process and not give up. Other people might have enduring cancer, or there's family issues, God, career issues, I pray you encourage them through this service, God, that you are there, and in due time, you will raise them up. Help us to live that way, to build our boat, to build our family, to build our life in you with faith, with grit, and sight. We ask these things in your powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. God bless. Next week, we're going to be talking about when your family is a zoo. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.